Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so excited to have this author with me today because I have been a longtime fan for so many years, and I have yet to had the opportunity to chat with her. And I always say that I just love having first time chats with authors because I'm just, I have so many questions. So she is here to celebrate her latest book, which is called Just the Nicest Couple. And it's newly on the New York Times bestseller list, which is always amazing. I am so thrilled to welcome Mary Kubica to Books Are Chic. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to have you. And like I said, I have been a fan, like you just have so many amazing books that I don't even know where where to begin on what to even talk about. <laughs> we could really go way back. I feel like I've received your books for so many years and I was a fan from, I don't even know, what was your first, what was your first book? The, the Good Girl was the first one and that came Good out girl. in 2014. Yeah. And you're a book a year girl, right? Do you do one book a year? For the most part, I've slowed down over the last couple of books. So it's more like, like maybe 15 to 18 months right now. But for quite a while, it was a book a year. Incredible. So incredible. Um, the Good Girl. Yes. And I remember that cover so vividly and so good. Um, but okay, since you're new here and we have to, all the newbies, we need to get down to the foundation of how Mary got started. So enlighten us on your writing journey. Yeah. So I was like a big, big reader when I was younger. I loved to read, but I never really tried writing anything. I never even really thought about, you know, like writers writing books. It was just, you know, that I love to go to the bookstore in the library and read books. And then when I, I was like maybe in middle school sometime, a cousin had written this story that she shared with me. And I was just totally taken, you know, with her story itself, but also this idea of like trying my hands at writing something, you know, doing, you know, this thing that I had loved to participate in so much that I love to read, but to actually try writing something. So I started right away and it was just one of those hobbies, passions that consumed me at a young age and just stuck with me my whole life. Um, when I was younger, I never really thought that I would want to be an author. Like the idea of putting my work out there for somebody else to read was totally beyond me, but it was just one of those things I love to do in my free time. I was really pretty private about the stuff I was writing. Like there was early on, I would share it. I remember with some family, with my parents, um, but then even that kind of tapered off. And most people in my life actually assumed that I had outgrown writing, but I was secretly doing it all the time. Um, mm -hmm. But career-wise, I was a high school history teacher. And, you know, again, I would come home after school or on summer break or whatever. You know, I just always had some work in progress that I was working on. Um, and then it was when my daughter was born. This was back in 2005 that I left my teaching career, um, I thought, temporarily. And I started working on The Good Girl. And, it, and she was like mere weeks old. In retrospect, I don't know how I did it. But <laughs> I got the ideas for The Good Girl. And I started working on it whenever I had some free time if she was napping or if she was just content, I'd get on the laptop and work on it a little bit. Um, but I, you know, I kept it totally a secret. I only told my husband that I was working on it because we shared a computer, you know, and I mean, we shared a house, the odds of him seeing it were high. Um, so I told him that I was working on it, but I, I wouldn't let him read it. You know, I was still, I didn't know if it was good, if I would finish it, any of that. So I still kept it very private. Um, but I, I took five years to write that book. And when I finished it, it was the first time that I really felt like 
I wanted to put it out there and see if there would be any interest in the publishing world. So I didn't know anything about getting published, any of that. I didn't have any author friends. I had never been part of a writer's group. So I did a lot of research on how to find literary agents. And I wrote up a query letter and just started sending my manuscript or my, my query letter out, you know, and then if they were interested, they'd ask for more. So there were three agents that read the whole manuscript um, of like the 100 agents I queried. <laughs> and ultimately, though, every single one of them passed. So I thought the book was never going to be published. And then two years went by and one of these agents that had previously passed reached back out to me to see if it was still available. And it just so happened that the first time she read The Good Girl, she was like right out of college, brand new to this literary agency. She was working as someone else's assistant. So she read the book and loved it, but just wasn't in a position to represent it. And her team decided to pass. So she remembered The Good Girl, though, and two years later, when she was actually an agent and in a position to represent her own clients, she reached back out. So it was really um, just an amazing situation. And I, I always tell writers, I know there are so many aspiring writers um, listening to things like this. And so I always say, you know, so much of it is about timing. You know, two years before that was not the right time for her, for the genre, whatever. Um, but then two years later was the right time. So sometimes it has nothing to do with your book itself, but just timing. I can't believe she, like, it obviously struck a chord with her that she remembered two years later because she easily could have just been like all right well you know two years I'm busy right right and I think about like how many other manuscripts she surely read in those two years so it was really it was really a dream come true you know in retrospect and then she um started you know going out to publishing houses editors and so by the end of that year that took some time too and she and I worked together for a few months to just kind of clean up the manuscripts um, but by the end of that year, that was back in 2012, I had gotten the deal from Park Row Books. It was then Mira Books, but now Park Row Books, but basically the same. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, right. It was Mira Books. That's what I remember. <laughs> um, what? Okay. So going back to the beginning, though, you were an avid reader. What type of books did you read? Like, what were your favorites when you were a kid growing up? I definitely loved, I loved mysteries. Like, I loved Nancy Drew. I loved, um, I read a lot of Christopher Pike, which is mm-hmm. like a horror. But um, so I loved those. I loved um, Natalie Babbitt um, when I was even a little bit younger, like Tuck Everlasting or The Eyes of the Amaryllis were two of my favorites. So I remember I would read nonfiction, too. I would always go to the library and get just whatever interested me, you know, at the time. So um, I read pretty widely. Yeah. Did you? And then. How did you get the idea for The Good Girl? Like, did that sort of solidify your place in this, like, psychological suspense thriller genre? Or did you have that in mind? Or I always am so curious to how people, you know, find their little niche. Although you don't need to stay there. Like, we've had, I've had many discussions (laughs) of people who are, like, branching out, which I also love. I feel like that's fun, too. But. Yeah, yeah, no. So I, um, I had never in anything that had like twisty elements before the good girl. And I had actually never even finished a manuscript before the good girl. So and and I think that like finding that genre was the thing that really grabbed me and, you know, made mm-hmm. it possible for me to finish a book. But before that, I would say it was like general fiction, general women's fiction. Um, but I would always I'd get, you know, an idea that I thought was great. And partway in lose interest, I didn't know where to go with it. And so I'd set it aside. And start something new. But with The Good Girl, you know, when I started writing it, I thought I was just writing a love story. 
that got a little darker, a little more twisted as I started writing. I'm not a plotter. So, you know, I go in just with my starting points and the book just sort of started to take on a life of its own when I started to add those mystery elements. And I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing really, you know, like I didn't intend to write in a certain genre. I was just writing the story as it came to me. And it was more, you know, like looking back when it was all said and done that I realized, you know, where this really fit genre wise. But mm-hmm. so I, I kind of found it by mistake and, and I love it. Every now and then I say that maybe I would like to try historical fiction just because I have this history as a history teacher. But I don't know. I mean, I just really love this genre. I love to the the um, all the research for historical fiction intimidates me. You know, when I I get to make most things up and, and they do not. Right. No, I always think of that, too. And I think I have heard so many authors say, like, you can get all consumed by the research and then you know, you sort of have to like make sure you stay on track because I'm sure like that's so fun. You're like learning about something new, but it's like, oh, I'm here for like a reason. Not just to be like (laughs) reading and learning. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. And it's so easy to fall down those rabbit holes of Mm -hmm. research, you know, and then to think, okay, wait, I've just spent two hours looking up this random thing that is never going to make its way into my book. (laughs) Right. Lots of work, lots of wormholes. But I feel like what, so how do you like source ideas for any of your books? Like I always say to people who are like thriller authors, you know, I feel like right now, like true crime, crime, like crazy things are happening in the news, like just crazy things. Like, so where do you sort of, you know, source your later ideas and do you do any research or do you read like things related, you know, to people, characters in your book, if something's happened similar? Yeah, you know, I always, I mean, I'm always watching the news or reading the news and um, I love listening to uh, like true crime podcasts. Um, So I'm always paying attention to that stuff, you know, and I feel like I'm absorbing it all. When the time comes to write a story, I always want it to be unique though. Like I don't want to just copy something that's happening on the news. I definitely want to put it, I want to make it my own. So there might be something that like sparks some inspiration, but then ultimately Mm -hmm. the story I feel like really goes off and it's own direction. So like this book, you know, deals with a missing person. And actually my last book also dealt with some couple missing people. And, you know, that's something that obviously, sadly, we see all the time on the news, you know, so it's not like those stories were taken from some specific event that Mm -hmm. happened, but just sort of drawing from that as inspiration in general. We have, um, when I was reading this, not that it was like similar, but just the missing person, we have in Massachusetts, we have this like national case of the woman who had gone missing on New Year's Day, but now like it's coming out that her husband murdered her. And that's what I'm saying is it's just like the, or like the Idaho situation. Like there are just, it's like this weird fascination though. Like you can't look away (laughs) from these things. And like, we, we have like a text chain of that we have of that's strictly devoted to true crime being like mom friends because as things develop you're like addicted to figuring out what's going on what's new and I totally see you know why you know I feel like thriller books are so popular because it's just you're trying to piece together something and if you're watching it in real life and true you know in real time that's where the addiction comes from. Same thing with like podcasts and stuff. 
Right. Oh my gosh. Right. And it's just like solving a puzzle. You know, I think we all kind of have an inner detective. And yes. so I think part of this, <laughs> we're also, whether it is, my gosh, I've been so hooked on what is happening in Idaho. It's so horrific, but you know, I mean, like you said, you can't look away. And so, I mean, I think we're all, whether it's, you know, fiction book or something that's happening in the news, we're all, we just, we need the answers. Yes. Yes. I can't, I literally couldn't agree more. We want answers and I was like a huge Nancy Drew fan too. And I feel like if you start and Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein and all those books, but I almost feel like if you start young with books like that, it's like a little seed is planted. Because <laughs> then there's people who are like, I want to know nothing about this stuff. I cannot read these books. It's like a little seed is planted and you're like, ooh, you know, what, you know, what mystery can be discovered wherever you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, once you get an idea, are you like a big outliner? Do you just, do you have a character in mind? Like for just the nicest couple, um, how did this book develop? And like, what was your favorite character to write? Yeah. So I, I don't outline at all. Um, mm -hmm. I like to go in, you know, and there's, there's definitely some anxiety that comes with it, with being a pantser as they, as they call us, because I don't know, you know, what my twist is going to be. I don't know how the book is going to end. I don't even know exactly who my character, I mean, I know who my characters are like by name, but I don't know who they are inside until I really get writing and get to know them. Um, so with this book, with all of my books, they start with a problem, essentially, like something that needs to be solved. And so with this case, I was really, or with this book, I was really drawn to the idea of a missing husband because we see and we read so many books about missing wives and I've written books about missing wives, but, um, you know, I just wanted to see what was it like if it was the husband that was missing? Is it essentially the same story or is it a little bit different? And so I started there. And then because all of my books have multiple narrators, the next, the next question I ask myself is who's going to tell this story? You know, so I kind of created this cast, cast of characters and looked at them and decided that, um, um, we have two couples in this book. So Christian, who is the husband that's not missing, and then Nina, who is the wife of the missing husband. You know, I thought that they were kind of in the best position to tell the story because they can tell it to us from different sides of the equation and really give us kind of a full view of what's happening. But at the same time, their stories don't always mesh. So, you know, it kind of creates some questions for the reader and they have to figure out who they're going to trust. So that's really, you know, I have that question, that mystery that needs solving. And then I have my narrators. And at that point, I'm sort of off and running. Um, with this story, I felt like I connected the most to the character of Christian, um, which might surprise some people just that Nina, the other narrator is a woman like myself. She's a teacher and I'm a former high school teacher. So we have more in common. But there's something about Christian and his, he has this deep desire to protect his wife and his unborn child. And there was something about that that really spoke to me. Yeah, I, it was interesting. There were, well, I guess first I should have asked you this earlier. Give us, give the little summary of what the book is about. We will not do spoilers um, <laughs> so that everyone knows. I mean, at this point, yes, I'm missing husband, but give us like the, the lay of the land. Yeah. So just the nicest couple, there are actually two different couples. Um, so on one side, we have Lily and Christian, and they're sort of like your perfect couple. They're happily married, very much in love. Um, they're expecting their first child. They've dealt with a number of miscarriages. So they're kind of in a precarious place, but uh, Lily's and nearing the end of the first trimester. And so they're just feeling more optimistic and just excited about their future. Um, on the other hand, we have Jake and Nina, who their marriage is really struggling. They fight a lot. Um, Jake works as a busy neuroscientist 
surgeon. He's always at work. You know, even when he's home, he's still thinking about work. Nina's a teacher. Um, she's also an only child who's caring for her aging mother, um, who has a number of health issues. She's starting to lose her vision. So she just relies on Nina more and more all the time for help, which just adds some stress to the marriage too. Um, so then one night, Jake, this neurosurgeon doesn't come home from work and Nina's sure at first that it has something to do with a big fight they had the night before that she thinks he's like at a hotel or at a friend's house and he's just blowing off steam and he'll be back in a couple days. But then, you know, time passes and he doesn't come home and some things happen in there that make her realize something bad has actually happened to him. Meanwhile, the other woman, Lily, knows that she was the last one to see him before he went missing. And so she tells her own husband, Christian, what happens. And the two of them decide that they'll do anything to tr keep the truth from coming out. So it's kind of like a cat and mouse game. We have Nina, who's just desperate to find her missing husband, and then Lily and, and Christian, who will do anything to stop that from happening. Yes. Yes. I, I don't even know what to, I was going to say, like, giving other elements to the book, but I feel like that will give it away. But it that is perfect. It is like, I know, I don't know how to talk about it so without- hard in this genre. I know. <laughs> Anytime I just- like I can practice my own spiel, but anytime I go to describe somebody else's book, I have to think so long and hard, you know, about everything I see. Like, is that a spoiler? <laughs> I know. I've definitely let things slip and I'm, slip before and I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't have said that. But I mean, you gave a perfect, a perfect summary of it, but that calling it a cat and mouse is exactly what it is because you are, I love books that have the chapters that alternate the characters. Like, I love that because like you said, you're putting on your detective cap and I feel like you have to file away clue. Like if you think you're figuring something out, did you know, is that person a suspect? So when you have the alternating chapters, I just love that because you're getting all these little stories and, you know, that's really like what a, you know, a crime case sort of is. It's all these different points of view and who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is so fun, I think. I mean, I know that I love to read in this genre, and I think it's so fun, you know, um, as a reader to try and pick through, you know, those clues that are there and try and solve these. I'm I'm like forever guilty of, you know, on page two of some suspense novel, you know, trying to, to figure it out. And as are most readers, I think, in this genre. Yeah. Well, you just want, you want to know. It's like almost from page one, you're like, I want to know. And that's where you can get totally <laughs> sucked into something. Because if you're, you know, presenting like, you know, a dead body or something. It's like the race to the, to the finish line to get, and that's why they're so good. And they, they hook you. Did you, and, and I love that you said, we always hear about missing women, like, cause that is so true. But did you, in your like research for this book, were there any cases or things that you found? I don't even know if I could name a missing husband. I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't do a whole lot of research into that. It was just, as I really started to think about it, it was all missing women, you know? And, and, um, so often, of course, like the husbands are responsible, sadly. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I really dove in there, you know, and as I was writing, and of course this is kind of, you know, based on this story, it's not as if this is fact, but, yeah. you know, I did. Nina encounters some difficulty, you know, with people taking her seriously and people to, to the point that she starts to doubt herself, you know, because they had had this big fight. A lot of people assume that he's just left her. And, mm -hmm. you know, so she definitely encounters some difficulty with people taking her seriously. Um. Oh, I just lost my train of thought when you just said, yeah, I, well, they always have, they have that, um, 
saying like it's always the husband, which like you said, I mean, it mostly is because, you know, think crimes of passion or people snapping or whatever. Um, but yeah, I was trying to think like if I was like, is there anything I could think of, you know, of a of a missing husband? But I love that you sort of put that twist on it because I could understand why she would be having trouble, you know, getting taken seriously and right. people being like, well, what are you even talking about? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, you know, interesting to look at it from a different perspective. And again, like I said, it's not nothing. It's not based on fact. It's just this story. But to put myself in her shoes and kind of go through the steps, you know, and what has happened, it's, you know, kind of easy to see a little bit why she's encountering this difficulty, but also sad. Yeah. Well, and I think too, just like I said, with what was going on here around New Year's and now, obviously this case is sort of coming out the Anna Walsh case is coming up more and more. It brought up like a discussion about like how many people go missing all the time and like what warrants it to make national news. Like that's always so interesting to me because there are so many people that go missing and we don't, you know, I remember there was a woman who went missing um, in my hometown, same thing around New Year's, this was years ago. And like, I'm like, whatever happened, like, did they just chalk it up as like, you know, they they died and we just never found the body and, and people unearth cases, you know, years later. And right. it's just so yeah. interesting. I completely agree. And it is, you know, I don't know what is the thing that makes it national news or one of those missing persons cases that you just never hear about. You know, I don't I don't know what the discrepancy is there, but it's really unfortunate. The number that that I mean, it's just unfortunate when anybody goes missing. But I think the number that we never hear about is so vast that I think we don't really have any idea how frequently this happens. Yeah, agree. I just it's 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 crazy to me. But um. I was just going to ask you, do you have any like favorite true crime books that you've read? Like there's some really good ones and I'm blanking on the name by the blanking of the name of the book by um, Michelle McNamara. I, and I do love that one. Um, <laughs> I'll be gone in the dark. You yes, get it? yes. Yes. Okay. I was so good. Okay. I love that one. That was actually what I was going to say as my theory. I both read the book and I watched the um, the the documentary of that, which was incredible. Like it spoke to me just as someone who's so fascinated with true crime, but also as a writer. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. If you've ever, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the documentary, but that was just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is definitely one that I would recommend to anybody who likes to read true crime. As for like podcasts, Crime Junkies is one of my favorites. I just, I mean. You know, and again, it's one of those things like missing people's person's cases, you know, that's just amazing and sad, you know, how much crime is happening out there that we don't even know about. Yeah. And I think too, going and with all the podcasts and like even just talking about the Idaho case and going back to Michelle, I think it's Michelle McNamara. She was like an armchair detective before it was even like a thing. Like she was staying up late and doing, I think she had a blog first where she was like talking about this and really like devoting so much of her time and effort into this one case. And now things, it's just crazy. Like the Gabby Petito case, like how social media and people chiming in on social media it's just so crazy. It's just, 
I know. Incredible. I mean, it's just, yeah, no, it, it really is, you know? And I mean, I think that we're seeing so many different like versions of the story, or we're just getting so much more input than we would have had before social media, just all these people chiming in, you know, that either, either know the people involved or have had, you know, some sort of encounter with them or just, you know, are adding their own thoughts and being their own detectives. And it's just amazing, you know, how this has taken off. And I mean, it's fascinating just the number of people that want to get involved and be the one to solve these cases. Yeah. It's, it's, and then like just watching it, you're like, oh my God, you know, like Instagram people saw on someone's Instagram video or like they have the whole reddit threads of like theories and ideas yeah yeah it's really fascinating (laughs) I that's why I feel like you're so good because like your books just fit into this like phenomenon right now and so people can get if they don't want to like really be submerged into like true crime it's your (laughs) books are like reading something that I feel like could be totally you know picked out of the headlines and that's what I love but we know it's fiction and It's just the same sort of like you're in it. You want to find out who did it. It's fast paced, which I just Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And that's always my goal. Like I want, I mean, unfortunately, we just hear everything, you know, on the news. So it's not like anything, sadly, is unrealistic. But when I write, I really do try to make it feel like something that you would see on the news that like could happen to somebody that you know you know it's not so implausible or so out there that it doesn't feel possible yeah no absolutely um okay two questions one are you working on something right now I am so because I'm like I'm a little superstitious so I don't really talk okay you know okay I I appreciate superstition (laughs) I am too and I'm because I'm a total pantser again, like, I don't even know. Sometimes I think I'm going to describe it. And then through the writing or revision process, it goes in totally different directions. So okay. I'm always like, but I will say I'm like three fourths, at least through with the next manuscript. I'm hoping to have a draft to my editor, maybe March ish. Um, So I'm really excited about this one. My guess is that it would be out in 2024 sometime. Uh, um, so I'm excited. It doesn't, I don't give my books working titles or any kind of titles until they're all totally done. So I it doesn't that. have any kind of title. It's just book nine. <laughs> book nine. We just know we're getting more. We just know we're getting more Mary. That's all we need there to know. There's more Mary coming. <laughs> okay. And then the other question I was going to ask, and I feel like I did see things and I know, and maybe this falls into your superstition and I know things fall apart and it's a crazy thing, but you have some things in development for like shows or movies. Yeah, some, some, okay. So the only one that's currently still in development is Local Woman Missing. Um, Okay. So, and that was optioned by Black Bear Pictures. um, And I'm super excited. The last I heard, they do have a screenplay done. I haven't read it yet, but they have a screenplay done and they're in the process of trying to cast one of the female leads. So I'm really excited. It seems like, um, you know, I've, I've been told that they're one of those production companies that like, if they option something, they, they really like the odds of them making something with it are good. Okay. So I'm, I'm really happy about that. The good girl and the other misses were both optioned, but unfortunately those rights have come back to me. So I have a fantastic film agent who's in the process of trying to find a new home for them and a home for just the nicest couple. Okay. Yeah. I could see these all being like movies or series <laughs> or whatever. So, okay, good. I'm glad I asked about that. Um, okay. Now it is time for, this is my updated chic list that you'll be answering for the first time, which I'm very excited about. Um, Okay, here we go. Mary, the author that inspired or inspires you the most and why? 
Um, so I would say Ruth Ware because I, for one, she's just, I've, I've, I've attended an event of hers and I've gotten to be in conversation with her for an event. And first of all, she's just delightful. She is just such a wonderful human being for all her success. She's a wonderful person to talk to and so incredibly down to earth, but she also writes these fascinating books and she is putting out a book a year, which, and I know she has a family and that's hard. You know, um, I, I said myself, I've slowed down the pace. I just couldn't keep up with it. So I'm, I'm just so inspired by the work she's producing, you know, and how quickly she's producing it and how she manages to stay just so humble in spite of everything. Yes. I agree. I ha- I was so lucky to have her on the podcast for like the Agatha Christie um, compilation. And she is so lovely and like just great. So I love that. And I could see you guys. Be- that would be a fun conversation. You you both. Um, okay. Current TV binge series. So my husband's and I have been, it's not a new show, but it's, I, we, we, it's new to us, but it's called yeah. Disappeared, which kind of fits right with like my job, oh. but it's more, um, they're true stories. The only thing that gets me is and it's all about missing people's cases and like getting back to the conversation we were just having. It's amazing. The number of people that go missing and are still unsolved. Cause this thing is like 10 seasons. Um, the, the only frustrating thing for me is because I like answers and it's more like unsolved mysteries. You know, you might have a good clue at the end of an episode who did it, but you know, you don't know for sure. Nobody's actually been arrested for the crime. Um, so that sometimes gets me every time we end an episode, I'm like Googling just in case new information has been released since the episode. I always want answers, but I mean, it's, it's really sad. A lot lot of the stories really are very sad, but I mean, again, as a writer in this genre, it's fascinating too. Yeah. Oh, uh, what channel is that on? You know, we just pulled it up like on demand. So I don't okay. really disappear. Know, but disappear. Yeah. <gasps> I used to, I don't even know. Again, I feel like going back to what I was saying when you're young, if you jump into like mysteries, a seed is planted because I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries like after school, young. Like if I saw my eight year old, I'd be like, I don't know if you want to be watching this, but that was like on. And I remember as soon as it panned to him, like always in like a trench coat in the dark with like the, the mist behind him being like, if you know anything about this case, please call. And I remember being terrified. I was like, but like, again, I was like, I need to keep watching. (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Always, always. He was so good. (laughs) Like he was so good as a host. It's the same thing. I feel my like ride or die um, dateline is Keith Morrison. I mean, nobody can do a, a, a dateline story like Keith Morrison. I would have him read your books to me. Like he should be doing (laughs) audible on thrillers and mystery. I don't. Yes. It's what is going? Yes, it's the best. And he always leaves you like, oh my God, what is going to happen? I know. <laughs> um, okay. Disappeared. I'm adding that to my, to my list. That sounds good. Um, last favorite book and current read. Yeah. Okay. So I just finished an arc, which I always feel bad, like talking about arcs because they're not available yet, but it will be, I think this summer, um, okay. but it's the new, the new May Cobb book, um, a likable woman, which is, it was so good. It was, it was like, it was a, an emotional one, you know, like you definitely feel that emotional connection to the characters, but it's a page turner too, which is just like my favorite combination for this genre. So, um, and it has an amazing cover, I have to say. So I don't, my, I got it on an e an ebook, so I don't actually have the cover here, but you can check Maycob's social media and it's a, a fantastic cover. So that one I just finished, highly, highly recommend. And 
right now I am reading, I'm going to butcher his last name, but it's Jason Rakulik, I think. Oh, Hidden Hidden Pictures. pictures. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was so good. I have just a little bit to go. I've actually been listening to that. I do audiobooks okay. too. And I think I have like an hour or so left to listen. And I'm like, I got to get back in my car and just drive somewhere. I do, I do audiobooks best in the car, but I'm like, I just need to go drive somewhere so I can listen to the rest. That one was incredible. And having kids, which I'm sure it was like so creepy, but so good. Yeah. And I have to say this audiobook narrator, I can't remember her her name off the top of my head, but she's fantastic. It's one woman, you know, that does the whole thing and she's able to get, I mean, the little, the little boy's voice. And um, I mean, she just nails all, all the characters with the voices. And like, I just love audiobooks the way they can really bring a story to life. You know, they give it this whole different dimension. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't listen to, I do a lot of nonfiction, um, but I have to find, I wish I didn't read that book because I would have read, I need to find a good fiction book that will like hook me. Um, so that I'm listening. So if you have, if you think of any aside from that one, cause I read it, um, let me know. I need like a good something. I will for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Sand or snow? (laughs) Um, sand always. I'm in Chicago in January. We don't, (laughs) I should be used to snow, although we haven't gotten too much of it this year, but no, I would always take sand over snow. (laughs) Yes. I agree. I'm the same on the East Coast. Um, yeah. It's like every time I see it, it's the first time I've ever seen it, even though I know. we've lived right. it our whole lives. You think you'd get used to it, but yeah. no, I think the hate no. only grows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, coffee or tea order? So all I would always always coffee. I'm pretty I'm pretty basic, like just like a coffee with cream and sugar. But I do like a good latte from time to time. Okay. Any flavors or just, are you a plain? I like vanilla, vanilla latte. Okay. Same. (laughs) Um, Okay. Favorite bookstagram account. Oh, um, okay. So I love Emily booked up. She's just, because I love Emily. She's just, she's incredible. Um, So I don't know, just so warm and supportive of authors and her reviews are fantastic. And I just, so I highly recommend following Emily booked up if you're not already, but um, for the, the visual movie, Moonlight Book Club, I want to say it is, is, oh my gosh, you just, it's amazing. I I don't know how she does what she does with the pictures, but it's just, I can't even describe it. I mean, she just, you just have to go look, Moonlight underscore book club. And it's just phenomenal. I mean, she just does the coolest things with the images that she posts. I'm going to look that up. I didn't, I don't know that one. Um, (laughs) Okay. Name an author you'd love to have coffee or a cocktail with. Um, okay. So I would say Jennifer Hillier for this one, um, because I just, I've never met her in person, but we've connected on social media and I love her books, but she just seems like the most delightful human being. (laughs) So just warm and personable. And, um, so I would love to actually sit down and be able to have a conversation with her. She seems really fun. I love her books too. I didn't read, did I read her last one? I think I have it in my pile, but she's again, like you're totally hooked. Totally. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, who is your style icon? Um, okay, so I'm not very stylish myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I would say um, like Princess Diana, I just feel like she has this sophisticated, smart style, very, you know, feminine and beautiful too. And um, so I would I would go with her. I love that. I'm she's in my list too. Um, <laughs> book you wish they made a movie out of. Um 
okay, going back to repeat Jennifer Hillier, um, her book, Little Secrets, which was like the second to last, just consumed me. I would love to see that one made. It's just, it's, I'm, I'm a slow reader. I, you know, every time someone says they can sit down and like read a book in one sitting, I am not that person. I wish I, I wish I was, but Little Secrets, I did. I mean, I, I started it one morning and I did not get up until I was done, which is so rare for me, but I think it would just be incredible in a movie and there are some, or a TV show, you know, there are just so many of those like twisty chapter endings that I could mm -hmm. see like an episode ending on, you know, and you can't wait to get back to the next, the next episode to see what happens. So I would say that one. I think that's the last one I read too. I can't remember. That's the bad thing about reading so much is everything starts like meshing <laughs> or I have like amnesia. Like, I'm like, I don't know what that was about, but I read it because you're just, I read so quick. Like you probably feel the same way. And I can't even imagine like writing as well. Like you have to also go into your own world. I'd be like, who's the character? What's happening? Oh my God. It's so true. I mean, I'm so guilty. Like nine times out of 10, when people ask me like, what are you reading right now? I cannot, you know, I'm, I'm reading something, but I can't remember what it is. Um, or I mean, I do like every now and then I was talking about one of my own books, like one of my previous books, and I was trying to reference a character and I couldn't think of the character's name to save my life. And I felt so guilty because like I wrote it. <laughs> I know. It does start to come together. <laughs> Especially if you have like, or I don't even know. I was going to say, I love like, obviously thrillers and mysteries. I love historical fiction. Like, and I feel like if you're not like super broad and like all of it starts like, and you really just read like only a few genres, that's when I feel like it's like, you know, it starts getting to be dicey. <laughs> like, I'm like, they went missing and then like this, and then it's like, that didn't happen. And you're like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. And my final question, which you sort of answer, but you can add on or whatever, um, is best advice for an aspiring writer or reader? Yeah. You know, I think for an aspiring writer, um, I mean, I think just, I don't know, like one thing that I've noticed as a writer, and it doesn't matter if it was my first book or like the ninth that I'm working on right now, I feel like there are so many like moments of self-doubt in the process. Mm -hmm. You know, like one day I love something that I wrote and then the next day I reread it and it's terrible, you know, and, and this goes on every day. And for the most, most authors that I've talked to experience some sort of this or, or like, I can see that I know that I talk to a lot of writers that they are having trouble getting started because they think they need to have it all figured out or that their first drafts need to be like really polished. And none of that is true. You know, you can dive into a book without having the ending figured out. I never have the ending figured out. And first drafts are incredibly messy. You know, for me, it's like a layering process. Every time I reread a chapter, I add something more to it and it just, it gets better and better. And then even when that's done, I get feedback from my editor and my agent, and that helps take it, you know, kind of to the next level. So I think that just one thing, if you're, you know, starting a new manuscript to sort of take the pressure off yourself, like allow yourself to make it messy, just get the ideas down and don't ever think that you need to have it all figured out when you start. That's great. That is great advice. And before I'm adding in, and I'm not, I don't want to throw you off, but I'm just curious as a reader. I'm adding in a little bonus question because you mentioned <laughs> Jennifer Hillier, you mentioned Ruth Ware, and you mentioned um, Michelle McNamara. But are there any other like absolute must read mysteries that you love that have stuck with you or favorite yeah, authors? So, actually, yeah, 
yeah, SJ Watson's Before I Go to Sleep. It's it's probably a decade old at this point, but it's phenomenal. That was probably one of the first in this genre that I read when I was really getting started. And it's just, it's so smart. And it's like a story, it's so unique. You've never heard that story before, I feel like. But um, the ending was totally unanticipated to me. Um, Peter Swanson's um, uh, A Time, oh gosh. A, a, a Kind Worth Killing. killing. Thank you. Really <laughs> a Kind Worth Killing, so good. And I love how he kind of throws was like a big bombshell right in the middle of the book because I feel like so often it's at the end. So he sort of did something that was really unexpected for me as a reader. So those are two I totally recommend. Um, I love Wendy Walker. I love um, Gilly McMillan. Her first book, What She Knew, is one of my favorites. Suspenseful, but a lot of emotion, which again, I love that. Heather Gudenkoff is another one in the genre that I love. So many. I could go on. So many. I know, I know. But I feel like as a reader... That's what I love. Like as soon as an author, I mean, I do think that like there's autobi authors and then there's books that come out that if like you blurbed, I'm like, well, if she's vetting it, then it's got to be good. And so I just love when authors share, you know, what they love, because I feel like that's what we as readers are looking for. Like, what do you love? So, okay, that's good. Um, Okay, perfect. So we know that we're getting more Mary. Just the Nicest Couple is out now. And like I said, it is on the New York Times bestseller list, which is amazing. And I have a question. Like when that happens, who's like, how do you get notification about that? Like, what is that? (laughs) Give us a little, you know, look into that. So I was sitting alone in a hotel room in St. (laughs) Louis. (laughs) But I know that. (laughs) that list comes to my editor's office, like right around 5 p.m. Eastern. So I had my phone, you know, I didn't know, you never know. Like I knew I had gotten a sneak peek of some early sales numbers and I knew that it was doing well, but you, you never know. And, um, you know, it just varies so much from week to week and there's, you know, some weird algorithm that nobody fully understands. So I, I didn't know. And then, you know, write it like, the list actually came in early. It was like 45 minutes early. My editor calls me. So the minute I, she wouldn't call if it was bad news. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. As soon as I saw her name on the caller ID and then we both cried. And <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. It feels like, um, you know, like when the best dress list used to come out and like the <laughs> list would come out. I always, I have it saved in my phone. I look every I mean, we don't see it at five o'clock. It's like 730 or whatever. I refresh and see because I'm always so curious. I oh refresh. Gosh, I so was like, Woo-hoo, I get to chat with her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just it's it's just this is my fourth book now that did hit the bestseller list at some point. So and it just it's I don't know. I mean, I'm sure for some people, you know, it gets older, you know, they're not as like excited. But I just, you know, and then I look at that list and it's like. James Patterson, Stephen King, Mary Kapika. <laughs> it's just totally surreal. And I mean, to think that that many people went out and bought the book and are reading the book is just amazing. You know, I think when you spend so much time like writing a book and now to know that it's in the hands of so many readers is a phenomenal feeling. You have a, a cult following, Mary. What can I say? <laughs> the fans are waiting. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. This really is like a bucket list for me. I've always, I'm such a huge fan. Like I said, I remember getting the good girl sent to me when I was like in the early days of blogging and I've been so lucky to be able to get, you know, copies of your books, which is, I'm so 
lucky that I get that opportunity, but it's just been, I've just loved watching your whole journey. So thank you for taking the time and chatting with me. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, I've been a big fan of yours. So I am so excited, you know, to, to get to talk to you. And I'm just so, I'm so grateful for all the terrific questions in the conversation. This has been so much fun. Well, you'll have to come back for the next book. We'll anxiously await all announcements on that. And where can people follow you on social media? I So I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but I'm I'm not good at Twitter. So the best place to find me is either Facebook or Instagram. And if you just go to my website, marykabika.com, there are links for all of them. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Mary. And thank you everyone for tuning in.